0: Man, Over these past few weeks, we have been talking about this idea of being a watchman for God. We started it pretty much on New Year's to a degree and have jumped into it in the preceding week. So this is kind of our our third full week on this Watchman series. And this idea of being a watchman for God, if you're first time here maybe this year, is, is this idea of being watchful in your time of prayer, in that your time of prayer isn't just a laundry list of needs, but you're also looking not just around you at who needs God and what needs to be spoken into as a believer. We have a job to speak life into things, right? But also this this premise and this idea of looking across your community, your, your, your surrounding area, and allowing for the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you about what is happening. A big part about being a watchman is not just watching for what the enemy is doing, but watching for what God is doing. So we can spend our whole life waiting for the devil to come get us, or we can look and say, God, what are you doing in the earth, and what do you want me to do in response of it? Now, I don't know, and I've said this in the last couple of weeks, I'm going to say it again. I don't know if y'all have looked around. Do you see what I see? Do you see the absolute degradation of society? Do you see the brokenness of culture? Do you see that this sinfulness is growing at an exponential rate? Do you see just over the week, of this past weekend, they had the March for Life in, in, um, in D.C. and uh, Tony Dungy, the old coach of the, of the um, of the cults where he made a statement online and and he was going to the March for Life and he just got sent to hell and back because he stood publicly for a choice of life. Do you realize that Christians are now entering into the minority of culture? And it used to be this voice of tolerance but they're not gonna tolerate your voice as a Christian. And that may be a charged statement, that may be a tough thing for somebody to swallow here, but I want you to know that we're living in perilous times. We're living in times where more than ever I have come to the conclusion that only a real move of God is going to shift anything. Isaiah 5, 20, this is my verse for the day, but it says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We're in that day. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for Bitter. That's the the key right there. I was telling the, we had a new members class yesterday, and it was amazing. It was awesome. And and shout out to whoever that was. Praise God. You were there. Praise God. I had 19 new members yesterday. Amen. That's awesome. And we were talking about how when I was a kid, Pastor Carmen used to tell me stuff like, you know, I would go to her house and she would offer me food and I didn't want what she had. And she would say, well, if you were hungry, you would eat it because the Bible says to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Uh, I got older and I read that scripture again and then I studied it and what it really means is that every soul has a hunger. Every soul is hungering. Every soul is hungering. What you feed it is, is what really determines where your life heads. And what it's talking about is when you're hungry and you don't feed it Christ, that even sinfulness, even though it's bitter, tastes sweet because your soul is just yearning for something. And we've entered into a place in society where people are hungry for God but don't know it. And they're being fed new age. They're being fed every lie of the devil. They're being fed cultures, all, you know, their identity issues, their crises. They're being fed all this sinfulness as if it is sweet, but it is actually bitter. And Isaiah the prophet says, woe to you, you know, a.k.a. major warning to you guys who are doing this. We are steadily in those days of the sinfulness of man growing. And, And I think that the church has taken a back seat in so many areas because we've been so busy with our lives. And many of us are are trying to build your life to the way where you just wanna have a good, comfortable life, but Jesus never called us to be comfortable. There's nothing comfortable about following God. There's nothing that's supposed to be comfortable about this idea of serving the Lord. God is looking for a church who will refine themselves and not settle for the areas of, the, of life that the world has settled for. Now, in the first week, we talked about being personally watchful. This idea of Jesus, Matthew 26, 41, he went with his disciples, told them to watch with him when they fell asleep. He realized they can't wa- watch with him because they got their own issues. And so if we're going to be watchful, we've got to fix our own issues through the power of the Spirit, and we have to be watchful around us. Being watchful means to be spiritually aware. Now, last week, we talked about this idea of the characteristics of a watchman. You could watch that sermon if you want over YouTube or whatever else. Shameless plug. Praise the Lord. Right? But this week, I want to talk to you about something a little bit different. And we find our text today in Ezekiel chapter 33. And I'm going to read from verses 1 all the way down to verse 9. And I'm reading, of course, from the ESV version of the Bible. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Speak to your people and say to them If I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from among them and make him their watchman, and if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself, but if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hands. Well, we just got into some messy territory right there. His blood I will require at the watchman's hands. Verse 7 So you, Son of Man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. And if I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from this way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die. In his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. He will die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. The other day, I came back from a trip in Baltimore, and I picked up my family, and we went to um, God's restaurant, uh, Chick-fil-A, in case you you didn't know. And um, I love Chick-fil-A. They play Christian music. Um, I think they pray for every piece of chicken that passes through that place, Um, Somebody's in the back interceding for that. And um, we we got to the table. We were eating. I I can't even tell you what caused it or what transpired. But all of a sudden, um, Emmy, who um, she's the greatest little three-year-old in the world to me. She's just just great. She starts to um, throw a tantrum about something. And I'm like, listen, little kid, shut your face down, you know. And she begins to cry. She has her face covered and she's crying. But I, as a father... All the parents know what I'm talking about in this moment. I have learned to discern the the, the the type of cry my kids are doing. What's real, what's not. This one was real, right? She was really crying. Or so I thought. All of a sudden, she comes up and she smiles. And she goes, I was faking. Daddy, I was faking the whole time. I'm like, you got me this time. Like she really, genuinely Got me right, and I'm just like, "Wow, you, you're this is pretty bad." And then Mila is across the table. She's like, "Yes, you're getting really good at faking it. I fake it all the time too." And I look at Mila, and I'm like, "You just missed yourself out." And there's Arya, I don't fake it at all. Like I cry for real, Dad. Goody Two Shoes, right? The point being is that a different cry from my children elicits a different response, and a different response is based on what I perceive. And what I am burdened with in the moment because of how their situation is. Any parent knows when you have a sick kid, your heart is burdened for that child. Especially when they're that age where there's no medicine to give them. When they're infants and there's nothing you can do, and you're sitting there with every apparatus to suck the boogers out their nose that you can find in the face of the earth just so your kid can breathe right, and you're burdened with this, man, my poor baby. And somebody might call you, do you want to go hang out? Like, no, my baby is
1: sick.
0: I ain't going nowhere. And this burden comes on you because you have a responsibility to raise, to protect, to take care of this child. And likewise, I want to talk to you for a few moments on what is the burden of a watchman. We've established over the past two weeks, especially in the first week in the New Testament, that God has called every New Testament believer. Any believers here? It's a trap. I'm telling you, it's a preacher's trap. He's called you to be a watchman doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're in high school, if you're in college, if you're at a regular job, nine to five in your career, God's calling you to be watchful and prayerful in the areas that you are in. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. It's a New Testament fact that Jesus repeatedly tells the church, you must be watchful. Now, Ezekiel, in the verses that we just read, he lived in the sixth century. He was a Jewish exile in Babylon. He was a prophet. Who was taken away alongside thousands of other people when Jerusalem was taken over and and destroyed. They took tens of thousands of the brightest uh, people and they relocated all of them into Babylon. And so he is the prophet and the encourager of the people who are in exile. And so he's talking to people who are pretty messed up and broken down. Now they had done it to themselves their own sin had caused them to break their covenant with god israel had begun serving other gods and god sent prophets to warn them and to repent but they would not listen listen to jeremiah six seventeen in the same time frame i said watchmen over you said pay attention to the sound of the trumpet but they said we will not pay attention don't worry you've never avoided the warnings of god Israel was given a chance to repent, but they did not. And so Israel and Judah were captured. They were taken into exile at different times. And now Ezekiel is living in the midst of that. He had been forcibly removed from his home. He had been taken out of his national home. And now the people of Israel are struggling with this idea of we don't even have a home country. We don't even have an identity. They are dejected, they're hopeless, they're people with no future, it feels like. They face assimilation and integration into Babylonian society, and now they really feel as if they have nothing, and the future is bleak for Israel. I can't paint this as a bad enough picture for you. Imagine Russia came over here, beat the daylights out of us, and then took all you all to Russia. And you guys are like, I don't even speak the language. I've got nothing here. See, but the issue was was that they had done it to themselves. But now Ezekiel comes and he begins to prophesy. And he begins to encourage the people of God. He begins to tell them about the things that God wants to do with them and the plan that God has for them. By the same token, he also has a responsibility to tell them, hey, by the way, you guys need to repent as well. Because until we deal with the issue that God is here, we're always going to have this same issue. Because how many of you know that sometimes in a time of crisis, we tend to run back to God? Ezekiel wants, though, not just a return to God because of crisis, he wants a full heart return to the Lord. Now from verses 1 to 6, God is explaining to Ezekiel again, as he did in Ezekiel 3, he's explaining to him how and why this idea of a watchman works. And I'm pretty sure that Ezekiel knows, but God's like, hey, by the way, when the people of a city choose a watchman, the watchman's job is to hop up on the wall. When he sees people coming who are enemies, he is to tell everybody around them. And here's what that means, right? You might not know this. Back in the days of the Bible, they would have a city, right? Suppose the city's name was Bridgeport, and Bridgeport would have a wall around that city. And outside of the outskirts of the wall would be all the farms. And so people at any given moment were in the pasture, they were in the farms, they were doing all their daily work and they would need someone to be able to watch around in the in the other areas where they cannot see to see if an enemy was coming. And when the person saw an enemy, they would blow the trumpet and everybody's job was to run in as fast as you can or you're going to get locked out and die. Because the people who died first were the people who were left in the field. The people who were judged first or killed first by an enemy were the ones who were left in the field. And so God's saying, if they don't come into the city after they hear the trumpet, that's on them. That's not the watchman's fault. But if you're too busy, watchman, and you're stuck on your, on your devices, let's say, or you're stuck on, on whatever you're doing with your life, Mr. Watchman, and you fail to blow the trumpet, if they die, I'm going to hold you accountable. If the watchman sounds the alarm, not his fault. If he doesn't sound the alarm, definitely his fault. Why is this important for you and for me? Well, number one, we've established over the past couple of weeks that we're all called to be watchmen. We're all called, right, to look out for those around us. We're meant to warn people. If they don't make it into eternity, you will be held accountable if you haven't warned them. That's pretty tough. Listen to verse seven. So you said, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Here's point number one of three, real simple, that God chooses and positions each of his watchmen. In verses one to six, God says, if the people of the town choose a watchman in verse seven, he says, he says to Ezekiel, I chose you. I'm the one who chose you as a watchman and I have placed you right where you are. Are. And this is a scriptural callback to chapter 3, verse 17, when God initially tells Ezekiel, you are a watchman. Now, usually the people of a city get to vote and choose the watchman. Because you want to test them out, make sure they got good eyesight. You want 20-20. You don't want somebody with a crazy stigmatism who can't see far. You don't want some far-sighted, near-sighted person who can't see sitting there on the wall and they don't even know until it's too late what's coming. So they would test them out. But God's saying, I choose the watchman. And you know who God's choice is? It's the man and the mayor. It's you, it's me, it's us, that God in this season, he's choosing us. Notice the idea of watching the city is now shifted into a spiritual mindset of watching after souls and watching after the issues of our time. To be watchful for souls, right, is to be watchful in the kingdom of God. To be watchful in this season is understanding that everybody who's outside of the faith is prophetically in exile just like Israel was in exile in Babylon everybody who is in your life but outside of the faith is in exile and your job is to call them back into repentance so that they would be able to know the true and living God and God's telling Ezekiel hey listen I've got an important job for you and I've positioned you right here That in this time of exile, where people are discouraged, that I'm putting you to speak life over them. And and, and Ezekiel, I I know you didn't choose this, but I chose you. And that's reminiscent of John, right? Chapter 15, verse 16, where Jesus says to his disciples, you didn't choose me, but I did choose you. And it's kind of like, well, why would you do that? You may not have chosen this, but God chose it for you. Can I tell you, there is no mistake about this, this season of your life. This position that you're in, there's no mistake behind it. There's no mistake behind the very place that God has you, even though you might be dying to get out of this city. You might be dying to leave Connecticut. You might be dying to get a new job. And God's like, I've got you here for a reason. And until you begin to look at the place and the position that you are in as divinely guided, you will never be able to be the watchman God's called you to be. Because you will look at everything around you with with just abhorrent eyes, and you will not be able to see the very thing that God sees. Beloved, I want to challenge you that God chose you. Until you see your placement and geographical location as God's providence, I am telling you right now, it's not coincidence, it's providence. Until you begin to see that right here, right now in this season of your life, you will fail to be the watchman God needs you to be. You will fail to be the person that God has called you to be. At times, we are so desperate to escape our circumstance, we fail to see God's providence. Because we're just trying to level up in our lives. And we're just trying to get ahead. And we're just trying to do better. And God's like, forget about all that. There's people all around you, right where you are at, who are in desperate need of Jesus. Tell the person next to you, you are God's choice. You are God's choice. You are the plan. You are not plan B or C. You are God's plan A for your job, for your community, and for everything around you. And if you're not discerning, and that goes back to last week, if you're not discerning in this season about how to be obedient and listen to the promptings of God so that you can rescue somebody else, then you are missing out on everything God is calling you to do. See, every interaction that you have is an opportunity for someone to be alerted to the great love of God that he has for them. And every interaction that we have with somebody else is an opportunity to deposit encouragement, to deposit life into them. And God in this moment is reminding Ezekiel of his call, his role, and his great need for the message he has. The Lord reminds us today as he did Ezekiel, I'm looking for watchmen in this time where things are growing darker. I'm looking for you to shine brighter, right? He's not looking for you to blend in. He's looking for us to shine, to to stand. The Lord takes it further with Ezekiel in verse 8. He takes it a lot further. Now, first he was talking about verses 1 to 6 about this proverbial watchman on the wall. Now he talks about some other stuff in verse 8. If I say to the wicked, oh, wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn his from his way. That wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Let's recap this real quick. Verses one to six, the watchman is watching a literal city. Invading armies are what he's looking for. In in verses eight, seven and eight now, it's kind of shifted to a spiritual sense where he is now looking out for sin and not enemies. He's looking out for sin itself. And here's what God is saying to, to Ezekiel as he's saying to us, that when I speak judgment over the people, if you have not spoken over them, I want to challenge you that if something happens to that person and God had put them in your sphere of influence, that God's going to hold you accountable. That's straight from the Bible. Talk about a burden. That's the burden of the watchman. I'm not telling you to go down to Seaside Park, climb the the lighthouse, get a pair of binoculars, and start looking for Russians. I'm not, no, I'm I'm saying go to your job, go prayed up, have eyes of the Spirit. Look and see what is wrong and ask the Lord, who can you minister to and who's ready for the gospel? Church, I'm telling you that God is calling you to be spiritually aware of the works of darkness. Here's point number two, the cry of a watchman is the cry for repentance. It's not a cry of the enemy's coming. We already know that. It's a cry for repentance for those who don't know God. In case you've missed this point, we have a responsibility to cry out to those at the edge of eternity living in darkness. You might not know this, but everybody has eternal life. We're all going to live somewhere forever. Eternity is guaranteed to us all. Jesus defines eternal life not as endless existence, but endless relationship with the Father. He said in John 17, and this is eternal life, that they would know you, the one true and living God. Eternal life, as Jesus says it, is endless relationship with the Father. Whereas many people would spend eternal life, not living, but a second death in judgment. And the difference is your voice. The difference between eternal damnation for some and eternal life, meaning endless relationship with the Father, is your voice and your instruction. And does it mean you walk around telling folks, Danny, you're going to hell. Get about that sin. I just want to let you know because I'm a watchman. That's ignorant. But we see Christians do it all the time. Growing up, that's, the, that's all the Pentecostal movement did. Get right, you're going to go to hell. It's just like, well, I maybe not want to go to church. And then if I did go because I was scared to death, living in fear my whole life, if I looked at somebody wrong and God came back, I was getting left behind. No grace in that message. Completely avoided the true doctrine of grace. Not understanding God. Missing out on just speaking dogma over and over and over. Never realizing what Paul says. You see, we, we, we choose either truth or love. And both of those extremities are dumb. See, the truth is you're going to hell, get right. Right, and then the love is—it's okay. You're going to be all right, Rich. Just when, whenever you're ready. That's not true either, right? You can't go on in your sin just because God loves you. Paul says in Ephesians four fifteen, rather speaking the truth in love. There had to be a combination of them. It's truth and love simultaneously so that we may grow into every way into him who is the head into Christ. We have to speak the truth in love in this season because your cry is the difference between someone's eternal life and eternal death. Speak truth in love. The duty of a watchman is to proclaim both the love and the justice of God. The love of God. He's made a way out of damnation. He's made a way out of bondage. He's made a way out of sin. But the truth is, if you don't do this, I want to tell you the other side to it. There is an eternal damnation awaiting any who reject Jesus. We can't stop talking about the truth, which is there is a hell to lose your life into. There is. That may be uncomfortable for some of you, but that's just straight biblical truth. But there is a terrifying judgment for those who do not turn their life to Christ. What is your cry like this season? Are you fake crying like Em? Are you faking it just to look good? Are you only crying when you need something from God? What is your cry in this season? Is God responding to your cry? Is the spirit moving because of your cry? Are you a watchman in the spirit, looking out and seeing the issues of our day, the issues of our world? Or are you being fooled by the lies of the world? Are you being fooled into culture's thought process? Are you wondering if, if it is a baby in the womb now? Are you wondering if, if homosexuality is okay now because everyone's accepting it? Are you wondering if an ancient God has changed his ways? Are you wondering now because you're caught up in the ways of culture? Do you have the mindset of love is just love when God says, no, it's sin and it's abomination and it's disgusting to him? Is that too hard for some of you to hear? Is it offensive to your hearts? I want to tell you, as a, as a preacher of the gospel, i rather offend your flesh than tickle your spirit with half-truths. I want to tell you the truth is the truth. As I said it just the other day to some friends, the scripture is old, but it's gold. It hasn't changed. The cry of a watchman is for you to call to a world to repent that we would love to, to, to see those around us come to God, that we would love on them and speak the truth in love, recognizing their serious plight and the nature of their issues. I want to pause for a moment to let you rest on this idea that God is calling you and that you should have a burden for the lost in your life, those trapped by sin and fooled by the world and its pleasures. And you should not look on them with disgust, but you should look at them and say, oh, Jesus, my heart breaks for them. That you would be like Jesus walking into Jerusalem, and the Bible says He has healed all the diseases, He's cast out all their demons, and He looks at them still and realizes that all of the spiritual things I could do, and physical rather, physical things I could do to meet their needs, do not make up for their deep spiritual need. We can sit there and feed the homeless who were blue in the face. We could sit there and house every homeless person we want and celebrate it all over social media. We can sit there and answer all the, the, the justice issues of our day and not tell them about Jesus. We failed not let them into salvation, we failed. For what good is it to fatten them up just, for, just to burn better in hell? What's the point? We have to tell them the truth of the gospel. Amen. Do you have that in you to watch and pray in this season? We spent the last two weeks honing in on that truth that we're called to be watchmen, every single one of us. The Lord tells Ezekiel, if I give you insight and you fail, you, you fail. You fail to, to, to give it to them. I'm going to hold you accountable. And you may say, well, pastor, God hasn't given me a word of repentance and spiritual insight for people in my family or surrounding. I don't hear from God like that. Pastor, I don't hear from God like that. So many of you might say that. Well, I'm telling you right now, I just gave you the word. God just gave it to you. Now you're accountable to it. You don't have to have, you're waiting for some snowflake to fall out of the sky and hit you and you know it's God because it's in the shape of a cross. No, 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 no. You know now because I'm telling you. See, our initial response to something like this is, I don't feel called to do that, Pastor. You don't feel called to go to work every day, but you do it. You don't feel called to sit there and pay all your bills every day, but you do it because you know the consequences of not. I want to challenge you that in the kingdom of God, I ain't no different. I don't feel called every day to preach to you. I don't feel called. I'm not just shock to you, right? I don't feel called every day to sit here and listen to everybody's problems. But because of the responsibility on my life, I do it. Because it comes with the role that God has given me. And you may think you don't you don't have the words, neither do I. But the Holy Spirit does. I pray the Lord burdens your heart. I pray the Lord really burdens your heart that you would see this. First Thessalonians 5:14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. Help the weak. The Lord chooses and he positions us. He chose us as a watchman. So in case you're wondering why this is important and you didn't choose it, and it's like, well, you didn't have to. This isn't like you get to select what your, your role is in the kingdom. God gives us that. And then we know that the cry of the watchman is a cry of repentance. In this season, an hour that we live in, there's a desperate need for kingdom watchmen to rise up and to speak out. Because eternity is in the balance. Now, in Ezekiel 33, he's been prophesying and teaching the exiles for a while, and they've been hearing him, and remarkably, um, they they, they begin to understand something. They have this epiphany in verse 10. I didn't read it earlier, and it says this, And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus have you said. So now God's saying to to the people of Israel, you have been saying this. Here's what they're saying. Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? And so the people, because of the warnings and the cries of Ezekiel, are having a deep sense of understanding of of their need for something greater and deeper, and of their sin, and of their issue. It was because Ezekiel spoke out. Here's point number three, that when the watchman speaks, many are saved. It's real simple, that when the watchman speaks, many are saved. The warning of the watchman took root in their hearts. If you would speak, the Lord can convict and work on the lives of others. If you would be his vessel of love, right? You can be his oracle of hope. Many of you, you have all that you need. You have what they need. I'll say that again. You have what they need. I don't care how new you are to the faith. You have what they need. And you may say, well, pastor, I don't have a lot. And I would say to you, a starving man, does it matter if you give him a whole loaf of bread or a small piece? It doesn't matter how much you have. How much are you willing to give? A man dying of thirst is not going to complain if you give him a cup of water and not a gallon. He ain't going to say, where's the rest of the gallon? He's going to say, my God, thank you for what you gave me. Thank you because the little you gave me started the saving of my life. Don't think the little you have is not valuable, but recognize that if you would speak, many will be saved, saved from sin, saved from darkness, saved from their life of depression and confusion, saved from their confusion of identity, saved from their depravity, saved. Saved. And you may say to yourself, well, pastor, I don't know what to say to them. Verse 11, listen to this. This is after Ezekiel has spoken what God told him to say. After they've been convicted of their sin. That's the part you're worried about. You don't know what to say after that, right? Verse 11, God speaking, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? Did you see that? Three words, say to them. God will give you what to say. It's there in scripture over and over. The Lord will fill your mouth. I don't care how young you are, how old you are. You have a task and you have a job. The greatest regret I have in my life is not being a light for Jesus in in my high school years. In church my entire high school time and, and just never was a light for Christ. You young people in college and people need what you have just come to church and get your fix and when nobody in your circle knows that you're truly a son or a daughter of God will you share jokes with your co-workers but not Jesus will you share childish things with your relatives but not Christ many of you come in and out of church on Sundays and you're 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 in and out of this season of wanting from God loving God but never ever being the person God needs you to be so that you can shift the spiritual nature of others and you may say well they may not respond Many of you will say, well, I don't want to talk to them. What if they don't respond to the gospel? I want to tell you, I live that every Sunday knowing that the vast majority of what I preach, you might not respond to. But has it hindered me from preaching to you? If you do nothing else, follow my example. That even when it's not comfortable, you still keep on preaching. Even when you see people shipwreck their life after you've preached the same things they're doing over and over, you still say, you know what, I'm going to go forward then. And I'm going to be... At a minimum, just a voice. Paul would say, do like I do as I follow Jesus. I tell you, we'll do like Pastor does while he follows Jesus. If at a minimum you can speak out, at a minimum you can give him a voice, a reason of hope. I want to challenge you that you can make the difference between someone's eternity this year. Your voice might be the only thing between suicide and salvation. Your voice may be the only thing between their death and their life. Come on, would you stand with me very quickly? The prayer team makes their way up real fast. Come on. Like you're getting paid for it. Come on, come on. Um, You can take it. There may be somebody here today who your salvation is not clear. Maybe you don't know if you are walking in the light, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room you may not know in this moment if your salvation is settled with God and I want to challenge you that if you have any questions, in a moment I'm going to invite you up for prayer. We have a prayer team here who has been waiting to pray with you been here expecting and believing that God's going to work in your life. Maybe you're a person here in this room who you need a watchman to come speak to you, right? And today the voice of the Lord is telling you tomorrow's not guaranteed but today's a gift to you, it's a present to you Turn your life to him I have never met a man or a woman who has given their life to Christ who has regretted it I want to challenge you to make yourself right with God today secondly maybe you're here today and you are aware you're crystal aware crystal clear just understanding that you have not been the watchman God needs you to be and maybe you even lack conviction in your heart or in your life about being burdened for the loss, And we want to pray with you. Maybe you've lost focus in your walk with God. Maybe you're young or you're old and you're like, you know what? I have lost focus. I've been all churched out and I'm just in a rut, in a routine. And I've lost that fire and passion with God because of all the things that I've endured in my life. I want to challenge you. This days for you. And we want to pray with you. And maybe you're here and you need prayer for any area of your body. We want to pray for healing in your life. I don't care what you're facing. We want to believe. Every head bowed, every eye closed really quickly as we do this first prayer call. If salvation, you need to share up your attorney with God, if that's you, would you lift your hand as high as you can we want to pray with you, if you're online you can indicate in the chat take your time if that's you, you're saying pastor, I don't know about the security of my soul right now would you lift your hand as high as you can there's no shame in this moment, amen know what, I've been in church, but I'm not walking with the Lord, and I might need to reconcile some things. If that's you, would you lift your hand as high as you can? No judgment. No judgment. There you go. Now, if you lifted your hand, you're the first part of that prayer call. Would you come up now? We don't even want to wait. We want to pray with you right now. Just come. Just come. Just come. Some of you are fighting in your heart. There's a war going on in your spirit, and you don't even want to come up for prayer. Now, if you're part of that second call, have lost the passion for God, and you've become cynical and your are hurt and taken over your life, I want to pray with you. If you are in a place in your life where you are not wanting to even be a watchman, but you know it's the right thing, or maybe you've been distracted by this world, in a moment I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, I want you to come up these center aisles right here, and I want you to be bold when you come, because I believe today God's going to awaken something in your spirit. God's going to awaken something in your heart. So come on, just lift your hands across the sanctuary and bow your hands. Father, you know every person. You know the situation. You know, even right now, the enemy is fighting someone's heart. I just hear the clanging of swords. I hear it in my spirit, God. I just pray that you would break down every demonic stronghold. to give us full blessing, that you show us this week the places you want us to go, the things you want us to do, and as we leave this place, Lord God, that you give us traveling grace, Lord God, in Jesus' name we pray, come on the church, says, amen,
1: amen, God bless you guys, see you on a Wednesday, please say goodbye to the people around you.